What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the third episode of Ball Hawk Talk. My name is Adam Boyce. I'm joined here along with Liam and Ben. But today we have a special guest, and I'll hand over to Liam to introduce him. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we have a guest. We are in the presence of a young man who is a noter on the city of Waterloo as a legend. This man is a savage. You might see him up at 6 a.m. watching the Australian Open. Or you might see him at Lazaridis Hall studying, well, not really studying, <laughs> but grinding his way to the top. This young man reigns from Ottawa, Ontario. He goes by the name of Connor Yohuli. Welcome to the show, buddy. Well, thank you. Uh, thanks, guys, for having me on here. It's a real pleasure. Uh, I mean, uh, that was a pretty pretty stellar intro that you just gave me, Willie, so thanks for that. I mean, uh, just, just want to say, uh, this is my podcast uh, debut. I kind of always thought my debut would be spitting chicklets, but uh, you know, ball hawk talk, that's just about the, the next big thing. So I'm excited. I'm stoked to be on here today, boys, and let's get this show on the road. Don't forget. Oh, uh, welcome, Connor. Bell Capital Cup champion there. <laughs> Beat my team, but whatever. Yeah, me and, uh, and B Mac do. We do go way back. So if you hear some disagreements today between me and B Mac, just know that. It goes deeper than, than the surface for, for a few of us boys on the pod today. Well, welcome, Connor. We're, we're very happy to have you. So today we're going to be taking a little different approach. We're going to be talking mostly about hockey. We're still going to drive into uh, draft prospects, but today is more of a hockey video. So before we get into our main conversation of the day, I thought we can just give our thoughts on the new NHL season, the new COVID divisions, and kind of our thoughts about the season. So, Willie, why don't you take us away? Absolutely. Um... You know, biggest surprises of the season so far is Toronto Maple Leafs. They're actually getting it done. Uh, big, big dub last night against the Montreal Canadiens, 5-3. And, uh, yeah, Matthews is turning out to be an absolute superstar. Uh, BMAC, what are your thoughts? Yeah, the Leafs are a fucking wagon. Matthews <laughs> is going to win the heart. <laughs> the Lady Bing. Uh, what else can you do? Selkie. Selkie. Um, maybe he'll even Throw win the Throw the Art Ross, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the Leafs are at least having a great season, so it's uh great for all us Leafs fans out there. Yeah, um, boys, you want to go or you mind if I jump in? Yeah, jump in, go on it. All right, man. Hey, I mean, okay, biggest takeaway for me so far, I think, also like a surprise is how fucking sick is this Canadian division, eh? Like the North Division, man. Like, awesome. Why would you want to watch awesome. anything else other than the North Division? Get to see Matthews, McDaddy, Dreisaitl, that's on a daily. <laughs> Timmy Stew, that's right for us Ottawa boys. Um, one thing I find actually kind of crazy is, and maybe maybe you disagree, but like the the scoring is so insane. And I know like you got all these crazy four oh. times, but is the D really that bad? Like, is, is that the problem? Like, tell, what do what do you it, think it is? Is it too good offense, or is it the defense isn't good? Like, I think it's a combination of both. Like, when you're looking at, there's some still some solid goaltenders in like the division. Like you got Hellebuck, you have Markstrom, he's playing well. Carey Price, even Freddie's like a solid goaltender, and even their numbers, like their save percentage, is like lower nine tens. And you look at someone like Connor Hellebuck, who won the Vesna last year, and his save percentage is down to like nine thirteen this year. So I think it's just how good the offense is, and when you look at defense, so you look at that Oilers defense, it's not good. The Leafs is improved, but like Sens, not not that good. But like the defense just isn't there. But I think it's like. It's a bit of both. Like the offense is insane. When you have Matthews and Marner on the line, you have Joy Settle and McDavid playing together. It's pretty insane. And all I can say is I love watching this division. Six five games. Bet the over. I made some money on the overs this year, so can't complain at all. Pound the over. Always pound the over. 
Oh, what? why would you want to bet an under in a hockey game? That's just asking for disappointment. Where's the fun in that? Another thing that happened yesterday is uh, Sidney Crosby's 1,000th game in the NHL. Um, I was looking yeah, over his crazy. accolades, and they're pretty extensive. So my question to you guys yeah. is, so we're at the 1,000 game mark. What does Crosby have to do in the rest of his career to solidify himself as the greatest of all time? He can't. He can't do anything. He's, he's not catching Gretzky, no matter what, in my opinion. I don't think there's anything he could possibly do in his last couple seasons here. You think yeah, I mean, I feel like he's done everything. So, what are you saying, boys? I Gretzky mean, like, still have won more cups. I, yeah, I mean, like, I don't think he can do anything. He's done remarkable things in his career. He's capped, he's going to probably captain Team Canada if they go to the Olympics again next year, probably win another gold. I think that's kind of a deceptive stat, like gold medals. But he's done everything he can at the international and NHL level. And I still don't think like BMX is enough to catch. Gretzky. Crosby is one of the best players in our generation, probably will be one of the best players ever grown up watching, but I just don't think he can do enough in these last couple of seasons. As you can see, he is slowing down. He is regressing a bit. He's still playing at a very high level, but I don't think he can do enough in the time he has left to catch Gretzky, who's the greatest hockey player of all time. Yeah. I, I see I see what you mean. I I guess uh I don't know, like maybe maybe if we turn our conversation rather than Gretzky, let's go like let's go Crosby versus McDavid. So if you're looking ahead, like that's maybe what I was when when McDavid, like when he's done his career and it's all it's all said and done, like what do you think Crosby has to do more at this point to make sure that he like is solidified as even like better than McDavid in terms of like his legacy? I think yeah, he I think has McDavid if he does nothing unless McDavid just turns it to another level, which is very possible, um, but. Crosby's had like similar point totals in their fir- through their first like 300 games. It's pretty similar in point totals and Crosby was uh, better defensively. So there's not much competition there. So McDavid has some room to, he's got to catch up on Crosby on that, on that front. Well, arguably Peter Shirelli is going to ruin McDavid's legacy. Like that, that, that's an argument you can yeah. genuinely, man, look at their roster. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was talking to yeah. Con about this the other day. Who have they drafted in the second, third, fourth, sixth, and seventh round who have come out of nowhere? Like, their team is yeah, no depth. No one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think they have depth, but when you're looking at, I think, like, cups and success is more of a deceptive stat. When you're comparing who's going to have a – who's going to be the better player, I think you should specifically look at skill and production and talent. I think McDavid is a more skilled player than Crosby was because of the things he can do. But I think Crosby's always going to have him because when you're thinking about conversations, it's people are always going to bring up the cup legacy, how many cups he has. And if McDavid's with the Oilers, he's not going to win a cup. That team's not built to win a cup. They relied on two players. They have two of the best players yeah, in the league, and they still can't be successful. There. That's a lot. That's a lot of you, You're saying you don't think McDavid's going to win a cup with the Oilers ever? Him and Dreisaitl. I don't. I don't think that team could like based on right now. How many cups Crosby won? Is it three? He's won three. He's Four? won three. Three, three, yeah. and do you think if with they're tied up in salary cap at the top end, and they prove, I just don't see that Oilers yeah. team unless they get a big change when he comes. They're just not built. It's like the like the Leafs. If the Leafs were in the, the North Division, I don't wouldn't give them a chance to win the Cup just because they're in the North Division. They have a chance, but the Oilers team is just not built to win a Cup, and I think that could hurt McDavid's legacy if he if he doesn't succeed in the Oilers. No. Another news and notes from around the world. Uh, the Joker wins the Aussie Open. Connie Gohuli, what are your thoughts on this? 
Uh, well, I want to just say I took it in firsthand. Uh, Three thirty in the morning, the wee hours. Um, Kyle and I, my roommate, uh, great first set. Dozed off after that, but he took it home in three sets. Great, great scenery. Um, really enjoyed watching. Over to you boys. I don't know. I I, I got nothing else. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, he is. I'm not a big. I play a lot of tennis, but I've never never really watched a lot of tennis. But Joker is probably one of the goats in tennis he's so talented he's been the number one in the world since i've started playing tennis like five six years ago uh so good for him to win another another mage under his belt trying to cement his legacy trying to separate himself from the dallin fender as one of the greatest of all time boys you know what uh what he's his total majors is now oh it's got i want to say it's like 20 i can look oh, I that was, but... yeah i thought it was like 18 maybe 18 19 but uh I don't know, because Nadal and Federer got 20. Anyway, we won't get into too much into tennis. Yeah, he's but... he's at 18 right now. Yeah, so okay, okay. But yeah, he's two away from Nadal and Federer. But so that was a good three goats played at the same time. I think those, yeah, it's three goats in tennis, Liddy won every major. You get the odd team on Medvedev in there, but it's cemented by three powerhouses in the tennis, tennis world. But we won't get into too much tennis because I don't think we can go too much in depth about that sport. At least I can't. So without further ado, we're going to go into our main conversation of the day. So like yesterday, we talked about the best constructed NFL teams in the league. Today, we're going to take the NHL approach, discuss our favorite and best constructed NHL teams. So BMAC, why don't you take us away? Yeah, so we'll start with the best team first here. Uh, in my opinion, uh, the best constructed team is the Colorado Avalanche. They're good everywhere. They're good. They have the top end talent. They have depth. They have forward depth. They have defensive depth. Their defensive depth is, is ridiculous. So let's start there. First pairing, Brian Graves, Kale McCarr. Second pairing, Devin Taves, Bowen Byram. Third pair, Samuel Girard and Connor Timmons. Jeez. Those are three, like, number one pairs pretty much that i just named off they're all young yeah, those all are puck movers yeah and don't forget they have former number one overall pick eric johnson on the ir right now like <laughs> guys the goal yeah i mean yeah that that talent washed yeah that that talent level is ridiculous <laughs> that's definitely in my opinion the best decor in the nhl right now um I think there might already be a better decor than Nashville's uh, decor when they made their cup run, but they also have the forward talent uh, to hopefully pull through and win a cup in the next couple of years here. They have a first line, which is the best first line in the NHL, Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, and Gabe Landeskog. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that line, and are they the best line in the NHL? You know, Yeah, I, I think to- that... I think that line's got to be up there. You can go ahead, Willie. Go ahead. Uh, I was talking to Connor earlier uh, this year, and, and the, he, he mentioned um, the similarities between the Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And when the Tampa Bay Lightning lost in the first round to the Columbus Blue Jackets, do you think that um, the Avalanche are, are going to repeat as kind of a team that's kind of um, a surprise loss? the playoffs this year or do you think that they have what it takes to go to the cup i think they definitely have to go to the what it has to go to the cup they were playing michael hutchison at sometimes in the playoffs last year as a leafs fan i know he is (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) he is probably one of the worst goalies i've ever seen play and i've witnessed andrew raycroft that's the toss claw like the names go endless like 
Jonas Gustafsson for a nice throwback. Like the goalies I went through as a Leafs fan Boy, have been terrible. Why are the Leafs goalies always so bad? I don't know, man. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm off topic here. Yep. <laughs> but and, and yeah. Hutchison looked good in front of that decor. He looked good in the playoffs. Like yeah. Well, he had one with, game with went- goalies. With goalies yeah. like Grubauer and Francus, those are yeah. one of the better tandems. Neither of them are in the top tier of goalies, but in terms of tandems, those yeah. are two really good goalies and young too. No, they're a good goaltending by committee team, and Frank Cruz is being injured. But I think that's honestly, if you don't have that top tier guy, you have to go a tandem. You can't put a workhorse behind a mid-level goaltender so someone like Grubauer who's probably like top 15 top 20 in the league you pair with Frank Cruz you get fresh legs yet everyone's always at full health so I think that's the way to do it if you don't have that top that top goaltender like a top 10 in the league you can't commit too many games to one goalie and the thing I probably liked the most about this team and why I think they're the best constructed roster is they're set up to win in the future too I'm going to go over some of the prospects they have that aren't even playing in the NHL Fox Martin Kaut, 2018, 16th overall pick. I think we can agree. I don't know if you guys have, are too familiar with his game, but uh, he's a pretty good fucking player, and he's going to be really good in the future. Uh, Alex Newhook. Very, very good. hockey in my hometown with the York Simcoe Express. Played with a, yeah, played with a couple of my buddies that I played with, and all they say about him is he's just – crazy like he's a newfie though is he not he is from newfoundland but he came uh he played uh he went to school he played for college oh okay uh, okay, play for the york smithville express uh, only for like his last couple years but he is from everything i hear i know some guys that that played with him so they know pretty well is he's just like he was playing hockey and no one else was on his level i thought he was phenomenal at the world juniors i I was impressed with uh him and I really like Peyton Krebs as well. I think he's gonna yeah. play nice on that Vegas team. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good looking, good looking. Yeah, yeah, Alex Newhook is just a he's like an electric player. He's he's very fast. He's a like a good four checking player, and he has a lot of skill too. Like you saw some of the the goals he had at the World Juniors. He's just like player you want on a team that's so important to have in that that top six. He's a big four like a four checking four that's gonna that's gonna check. That's gonna be have a lot of zone time. That's why I saw at the World Juniors from him. Yeah, he started a little slow in college last year, but then it was clear once the season started going that he was the best player in college hockey. Uh, I think he won all, like, rookie awards. Uh, I'm not sure, familiar with exactly what they're all called for college hockey, but I know he won a bunch of the awards. Bad, honey Badger, what's he called? Yeah. Then they, ha- they have a good goalie prospect in Eusis Antonin. He went third round in uh, 2018, so he could possibly replace uh, one of Grubauer or Frank Kuz, uh when they possibly leave in free agency to maybe save against the cap that's going to get going in a couple of years once uh, McKinnon is off his uh, entry level, or not entry level, but the, the discount contract that they got him at right now. Yeah. And then, how, how much longer is he on that contract? For? I think I don't know off the top of my head. I think he's two to three years uh, that, more. No, 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 no. No, McKinnon. Like, that, that's probably the best contract because he's he's NFL. making six point six million right now. Just Justin Barron is also another guy that they have as a prospect Absolute on D. I, another yeah. twenty twenty first round pick, twenty fifth award. Those are four first round picks. I don't even know where Justin Barron fits in on this. He, he might be one of those players that gets traded for uh, a good free agent uh, 
acquisition because there's no room on that decor in the next six years unless they trade any of these kids. Well, Joe Sakic, like, he, he might be, like, the best general manager in the entire, entire league, right? This guy is the fleecing master. I, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how he gets it done, but he gets it done. I'm kind of blanking on a few of these big deals he's made. I remember. Duchesne? Duchesne. Wait, what did he? Oh, he just got, he just got picks for that. Yeah, but they got Makar. Yeah, so that was huge. That was a big one. Fleeced Ottawa. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Take it to the bank. Then, uh, well, well, I thought he kind of fleeced Chicago of of Sod. Like, I'm not a big Zadorov guy. They had no need for Zadorov on that blue line. Yeah, I thought that was a bit of a fleece. Uh, yeah, he's made some crazy good moves. Don Skoy. Oh, Kadri. Yeah, Willie. Yeah, you, you. Who who was that trade for? You know? Yeah, that was a fairy trade. Fuck oh, off, man. What, what happened with Kadri? Yeah, I want you fuck off about that one. But <laughs> like, the, I mean, when you're looking back at it, it's a good deal. You drive Kadri, and then you get Kerfoot on it, a short, like a good deal, and then you get Barry, who they retained fifty percent of his salary. Barry was one of the best defensemen in the league when he played in Colorado that year for power play production, and they just he didn't fit. Dog shit on he the just league. he just didn't fit in. Like I think the Babcock hurt him. Like he started playing better when when Keith took over, but Barry for his first 12, 15 games, wherever it was Babcock, I don't think had a goal. He got his first goal in his first game with Keith. Like, but yeah, that trade looking back, you get Kadri on a very good deal. Who's a good center in the league, good defensive center. And he can also score at a good rate. All right. Do we want to move on to one of your guys' teams here? Absolutely. Boys, let's see. Let's see. Take a ride on the show. All right. So mine, I took a kind of a different approach. I don't think, this team's my favorite team, but I don't think they're the best constructed from goalie to forward. But given this new COVID, COVID situation, this division breakdown, I think they're the best constructed to succeed this year, and that is the Toronto Maple Leafs. The reason is the North. You get to play the North Division up to the sub conference semi conference finals. You get to play that North Division, then you play in the conference finals. The Leafs are the best best team in that division by far. They're the best scoring. It's in my opinion, it's not even close to that division. The Habs are the only team that can compete with them because of their defensive ability, but I think the Leafs are the best position to succeed, and this gives them the chance to make the conference finals and have a seven-game series to get into the Stanley Cup. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, my one thing is um, when I look at um, Dubas, he's made a lot of really good moves. I, I can't really like say anything bad about the moves other than the um, – Nothing really he's done where I've been, you know, that's a horrible, horrible move. Um, I, I honestly don't think he has the nuts to, to take them to the Stanley Cup finals. And that, that's just my, my, my opinion. If you look at the Babcock thing, he should have fired Babcock the second they lost. There's, there's no reason why Babcock should have started that season. It is what it is. Um, I, my biggest thing currently, anyway, if we're talking roster construction, it's, it's Willie Nylander. I, I don't think he's required on that roster. I think he's more of a creator. He creates plays. He does X, Y, and Z. I don't think that's what that team needs. Um, and another conversation I had with, with Kong the other day is um, Anderson. You know, my question, I know. No, 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 no. Fre- Frederick. Oh, Freddie. Uh, Freddie Anderson. I, I don't really know, like, Everyone says he's a good goalie, and I agree. But my question to you guys is, if you had to risk your career on Frederick Anderson winning you a game, would you do it? Yes. I mean, I mean, he's won them. He's won them many games. He has. The reason he doesn't put up amazing stats is because he every year from a service career, he's had a terrible first month. And without that first month, he puts up 
like 935, 940 save percentage. He's always in that 920 range because he's always, he has terrible starts. I don't think Freddie's a top tier goaltender in the league, but he can win you games and he's proven to win the least game many years down the stretch. And the thing is this year he's played, he's played solid, but I don't think he's in their future plans just because they're, he's, he won't be, he's going to get a big contract. So the Oilers who are in need of a goalie will, will give him a six, $7 million contract. I don't think he's in the least plans in the future, but to go down right now, I said I would be confident Freddie Anderson to win us a game in the playoffs. Interesting. Yeah, that, 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 I mean, I want to touch on just right what you said at the end there because, like, I, I think he's looked good this year. I've, I've, I've watched a lot of Leafs games. I'm constantly impressed with him. But I don't know if I want him in between the pipes. I think he's got playoff demons. Like, I'm, yeah, I I'm agree. a big believer. Goalie's got playoff demons, like, some, some like, like rarely goalies are able to over, overcome. Like, yeah. one of those, like, okay, Braden Holtby, he that's an example of one right there. Um, obviously, there's definitely a ton, but like, I don't know, man. Like, like Willie said, is that the guy? Are you risking your career on that? But I, I think you're right, boys. I think a team will take a chance on him. Oh, yeah, a big contract, and then the Leafs can uh look at something else moving forward. I think yeah. that's what they need. Honestly, I think the biggest part and the biggest importance to this Leafs team is Freddie. But not only that, I think the biggest importance to this team right now is getting Jack Campbell back to health. Freddie Anderson cannot play this many games on the stretch, and the Leafs do not have confidence in Michael Hutchison to win them games. He Freddie went like 14 games without, but when Jack Campbell went down, Freddie played seven or eight straight games in a packed schedule because they just don't have confidence in Michael Hutchison. Fred, Jack Campbell needs to get back to health to allow Frederick Anderson to take games off in order to have a rested workload going in the playoffs on the stretch. Right. And yeah. Jack Campbell's a quality backup. He's since he's been a leaf, he's been very, a very, very good backup. Whenever Jack Campbell goes in, I'm confident that the team can win, but when it was in the past and it's Michael Hutchinson or Garrett Sparks or whoever the hell their backups have been in the past, I've never been confident going to that game on a back-to-back night. Um, wh- one thing that I do like about the Leafs this year that has changed from years past, like their offense isn't really that much different. Obviously, they moved a few guys out, moved out Kapanen, yeah. moved out Janssen. Both great Jordan, deals. Brought in uh, Simmons, who like, funnily enough, I was chirping Dubis like hard. I was like, those are terrible deals. Got Thornton fucking racking up points. Like, holy Simmons, shit, I didn't know Simmons. fantasy teams. <laughs> and then like, and then even Simmons parking in front of the net and he's looking great, but um, I, the biggest improvement's got to be the D. And, and yeah, they it was, good. you know, it's the smallest additions, but well, I mean, Brody wasn't really a small addition, but the big, yeah. I think it's Hall, the breakout season for Hall. Yeah, is huge. Um, he's having like, a ma- the, the thing about having Hall there is that solidifies your top four. Now you got Riley, you got Brody, you got Hall, and you got Muzzin. And now you can really say you got a, you got a, a solid top four. top four that you believe in. You got Sondine in the prospects, the yep. prospect pool too. Like, I, I like finally like think of how much people have been chirping the least D for the last like I don't know four decades. years. Decades. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Decade. <laughs> Thirty years. I don't know, but longer finally, than a decade. It seems like yeah, yeah. It seems like they actually have a good thing going here, and I think that's why we're we're picking on the goalie situation because like yeah, there's nowhere where, else. Where's where, where else is their weakness, right? Yeah. Like there, where else? Another thing I was um thinking about when I was thinking about best constructed. Like I said, I don't think they're the best constructed goalie roster because they still still do have flaws. They turn the puck over a bit much. That bottom that bottom six, they don't have a third line center, which I think is a big big need. Kerfoot can't play center in my opinion. He's not a good third line center. They've moved into the wing with Tavares and Nealon. He's looked much better. He's just too small, and I think they need a third line center to make that next step. And I think that's something Dubis needs to do. He needs to address coming this deadline. 
one of my main targets is someone like Sam Bennett. I don't think he's that no. he's that amazing to play. No, no, hear me out. Sam, I live like seven minutes from the guy, but no, no, it's just because that Sam Bennett, he's not going to produce, but he's a the player they need in that third line. They don't have a third line center right now that can check her foot's too small. He's not good defensively as a third line center. So I think that's something they need to address. I don't know. Maybe Bennett's on it, but they need to address that third line center to be successful. Listen, like I'm a huge Sam Bennett fan. He's from my hometown of Holland Landing. I, I went to elementary school with this guy. Uh, obviously a few years older than me, but he is not the guy the Leafs need. They're going to, he might be the guy the Leafs need, but definitely is not worth whatever price he's going to get in open market. Like there's been well, talks of first round picks. I don't think it's a guy that hasn't been good. I would move, I would move someone like Dermot in like a second or third round pick for Sam Bennett. Cause Dermot's so expendable, but I don't think they need Dermot on that team. If they keep Dermot, he's probably gone in the expansion draft next year. So I think that they need to make a point to move him. I think he's expendable. They have Lettinen who can play. They have Sandine who can play in the third line. I just don't think, I think Dermot's one they'd have to move if that was something the same Bennett trade. There's a real question that you kind of have to examine when you're doing your analysis is um, if you're going to trade for a player this season, it kind of has to be from the Canadian division because if you trade yeah, for an American team, the person has to do a two-week quarantine and then two weeks sitting in, in, their, in their house, you know, collecting a little bit of weight, eating some Cheetos, they're not going to be the same player uh, they're gonna need some time to adjust. So yeah, before you know it, it's a month and you don't get the same player. I, I, Sam Bennett could be a cheap alternative if no, no more than a third or second. Yeah, but he's first. and the reason because I also pick Sam Bennett is the Canadian League, and also he's also had playoff success last year. He had a seven, seven, eight, seven, eight points in the their playoff series. He's someone who's been successful at the. He hasn't been successful in the regular season, but he's shown success at the playoff level. I just think Sam Bennett is someone that can be helpful in that third line, but I wouldn't pay the price of a first round pick or a second round pick he also but, couldn't do a pull-up at the combine let's not forget <laughs> about that yeah but he's like he's like, also impossible yeah he couldn't but he's also like he's filled out like he in the playoffs last year had the stats up here in 10 games he had 34 hits he had, he had wow. a shoulder injury at the time yeah. too so i won't i won't knock that on him but no, i mean a fun fact and it's someone yeah. the reason i also picked him so I'll just finish this off is the least cap it they don't have much cap room but he makes something at 2.5 which is something they can move they can't go get someone like Mikhail Granlin Eric Hollow those people just have to be cap hits some centers have been floating around the market so I think Sam Bennett's the most logical thing and with the connection to the Canadian division I think it's something it's maybe not my number one option but I think that's something that's actually logical because of the circumstances given the COVID standpoint of the NHL season yeah yeah definitely we want to move over to you now, Con. Yeah, I'll, I'm happy to go, boys. Um, here, okay, Liam's back now, so we can get going. So we've had we've had Colorado, we've had the Leafs. Um, I'm going. It's probably a little bit off the board. Maybe not everyone's first uh, like first team that comes to mind when you think of like the NHL's elite. But uh, I'm going with the Carolina Hurricanes here, guys. I like that. You know, I like, that. I, I like the Hurricanes. I think they've been a bit of a wagon for last. Uh, well, really last three years now. Um, I'll, I'll kind of get into that a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I really like the look of them, man. They, they got a crazy good young core. They got a great decor. Um, I'll just get into some of the criteria I looked into for this. So, I'm like, for the best constructed team, I, I was looking at teams with uh, a strong puck-moving defenseman, specifically in their top four defensemen. I'm looking for skilled forwards who can also possess the puck um and like maintain offensive zone time i'm looking for a d deep lineup that rolls all their lines and likes using them all like 
Um, and then a few other things were bona fide number one goalie, uh, a strong culture, like everyone's buying in, and then a couple of intangibles. So I'll get into those now. So, so bona fide um, number one goalie on the yeah, no no no. So those are the criteria. I'm not saying <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah no no no. I I figured someone might say something about that. It's so not I'm, the Ottawa 67 days with Peter Mrazek yeah, anymore. No, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I guess I'll I'll just go through. So my the criteria I chose, uh, and what they kind of it looks like on the on the Canes there. So the top in terms of top four defensemen, they're they're looking great. They got Slavin locked up till like 2024 25 they got dougie on their top pairing um you know brett pesci very solid player one of the more underrated defensemen in the league 100 like that's that's no doubt in my league yeah uh couple of young studs on the back end too i really like hayden flurry first round pick 2014 jake b another first round pick in 2016 yeah so who who is exceptional status jake bean really i I, I didn't even know i didn't know sure about that might be cop fact check willie Fact check me, BMAC, but I- no, I don't think it is. Like, it, there's only been a couple players with exceptional shoutouts. It's been uh, Connor McDavid, Shane, Sean, like Shane Wright, and then who's the other one? Joe uh, Valeno, John Tavares, someone Valeno, Day. JT, yeah, Sean Day, Sean Day. Yeah, now that guy now was on the New York Rangers. No, it wasn't well, Jake B. Farm system. Fact check, Willie. He's wrong. My apologies. Yeah, that okay, anyway, he got that wrong. It. So, so I think uh, we're like yeah, in terms of their top four deep. The D, D are solid. They're looking good. Um, again, I was looking at the let me let me see. Yeah, I was looking at their their cap breakdown because I was a little curious. Um, Dougie's actually in UFA after this season, or or after ne- no, yeah, after in 2021-22. So I think that's a guy maybe they'd look at moving. I don't know if you need to lock him up. Uh, you got Slave until 24-25. You know, I think you're gonna definitely look at Bean and Flurry taking a bigger role. So. I really like the assets they have, and then they can start maybe looking at acquiring a few forwards up front. Um, obviously, they're pretty loaded up front, but I think yeah. that core you're you're bu- you're building around Aho, you're building around uh, Svech. definitely Svechnikov. I really like Netchess. Willie loves Netchess. He's always in my ear about Netchess because he picked him up <laughs> off the waiver wire uh, in your fantasy league. Uh, I I mean I think Teravainen. He's still 26 years old. He's put up multiple 70 point seasons in the NHL. Like they got a great forward core and i i think like they've, they've really made some good acquisitions too um and that kind of goes with an, another couple of things that i really like about the carolina hurricanes which is both their their culture that they've established with brindamore uh as yeah. well as like like don like, waddell their their gm is kind of a savage and isn't really afraid to make moves man like this guy traded elias lindholm traded for yeah. vincent Trocheck when, when i didn't even think that guy would be on the block like i have no idea why florida was was dangling him out there for like a second round pick and like, also he just, he just wants to make the team better man and, yeah he also had the guts like i mean they got dougie hamilton deal they also the guts to move noah hand if it was a fourth overall fifth overall pick right yeah I think it was no, yeah that's a that's a great point and like yeah hannafin's good but Dougie Hamilton's <laughs> insane. Flashy by any means. Yeah, like Hamilton's much better. Like, they better definitely defense. destroyed that trade because Dougie Hamilton, honestly, is honestly in my mind one of the best defensemen in the league. Yeah, Elias Lindholm's actually pretty sick, but like yeah. they just didn't need him. Like they got so Ex- much expendable. Front. Yeah, yeah, it totally like on that lineup. But yeah, no, like and so and then another thing I really like them about them is like that that deep lineup and like they're not afraid yeah. man they got brock mcginn on their first line like <laughs> and, and, and it gets the job done because they got him playing with aho and uh and Svechnikov. so yeah, but- yeah like you can put anyone up there and you know need a writer having a great year 
Like they've been successful with guys like Warren Fogle, Michael Furland a few years back. Like that is like, those are the guys that the Canes love. I don't know if you guys have any, uh, if you had any, I'm kind of going, but as many points. No, I, going, yeah. I, <laughs> this, I completely agree. Actually, be might go ahead, but I can go after this, you. This was a team that was one of those guys in the early, like, 2010s that just took advantage of all those teams that were in cap hell the chicago blackhawks mm, um, yeah that terrible and, the, and, and the pens the, like they fleeced chicago to take because they had to get rid of brian bickle oh um, my god who was a, a fine player but he was he was making too much money oh, at he was the time ridiculous amount of money uh yeah so they took advantage of all those teams and got assets for just taking random deals they got Jordan Stahl when the Pens couldn't afford him anymore. Like, yeah, good point. This is a team that was smart in, in those in those years and is now reaping the rewards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just just a few more things I wanted before we wrap it up because uh, I was looking at uh, a few advanced statistics. Willie likes oh, the advanced statistics. He loves so them. I, I had to come on and I, I had to show out for him. So uh, let me let me tell you guys what I what I found. Nothing, nothing crazy, but so I decided I wanted to compare. Um, Tampa versus Carolina, because I think Tampa has been kind of like one best of the team. prototype best teams <laughs> probably for the last like three years. Yeah. That like, roster, that roster is insane. Period, uh, I was looking at. So, and specifically I was looking at expected goals for expected goals against as well as uh, the, the Corsi, uh, the Corsi staff. Corsi. Yeah. I was going to go Corsi <laughs> just because I think those are good indicators. Of oh yeah. Just like overall, like a team, like whether that they're controlling games. the play whether they're like maintain, like, yeah, whether they're getting more of opportunities than the other team, whether they just have a more, uh, yeah, more like probably a complete roster. Cause that's going to be indicative of, of who's, who's controlling the play. Um, so if you look at in 2018, 19, the Canes actually had a, a better expected goals for and a better expected goals against than Tampa Bay, as well as a better Corsi. And then the one thing that they, they just didn't have is their, uh, it's called a. It's called actual goal differential minus expected. So it just means like what they they under. It just means essentially based on the amount of chances you're getting, how many did you actually score on? So there's yeah. Carolina's was negative like thirty that year, and Tampa's was positive seven. So what that tells you is that Tampa was kind of a luckier team, and that trend has actually continued because if you look at 2020, uh, 2021, Carolina Hurricanes still better Corsi. They've got a better expected goals for. They got a better expected goals of, against, and they have still have that worse AX differential. Meaning, they're controlling the play, and they're maybe just not getting all the breaks now. But I'm a big believer in the law of averages. I think eventually a team controlling the play that's pressuring their opponents plays that downhill style of play. They're going to be a winning team eventually in the NHL. Yeah, some of that may be coming from the fact that maybe they don't truly have as much uh, scoring talent as other teams. They do have yeah. Stretch, Aho, mm-hmm. Natchez, Trocek, but some of these guys, like we were talking about, Brock McGinn and Bogle playing right. critical roles may no, be I totally why they're not finishing as well. But let's uh, move on to Willie's yeah, team. Yeah, I think here, great, I think. great. I, that's a great point, BMAC. Yeah. yeah. So here we go. Oh, God. <laughs> so here we go. The last team. Uh, best constructed team. Be- before you start, I just want to point out to everyone that this guy picked the Cowboys, the best constructed NFL roster. So just give everyone a heads up before he gets into this this take. Go ahead, Willie. So for me, um, what is the best constructed roster? If I were to construct a roster, I was trying to manage NHL. I would build my team from goalie out. 
I think it's easier to acquire forward talent than it is to acquire defensive talent. And I think having a good goaltender is critical. Um, That is why my best team, best constructed team is the Ottawa Senators. (laughs) Are you kidding? Wait, wait. Sorry. Just go back on you. Okay. Okay. Matt Murray's the GOAT. It's Matt Murray. Yeah, I guess. In in my opinion, and and I I told Con this, I, I genuinely believe that they're building a dynasty. And I'll, I'll walk you guys through it. So, oh, I can't wait. <laughs> wait, wait, is this actually serious? Is, is this make, a... Trying to make a joke. Yeah. <laughs> oh, these guys, these guys. Okay, yeah. I just go on. I want to hear. Wait, did I want to tell me voice. this before the podcast, <laughs> or is this a, <laughs> this is a, this is a surprise? Okay, um, good, because I I thought I would be way more. Okay, wow. so so let's go through their goaltenders. Uh, currently, uh, Matt Murray's their number one goaltender. Before. Um, they have Philip Gustafson, second-round pick by the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins from 2016 in their system. They have Joey Decord, who's a phenomenal goaltender, has decent accolades. Uh, they have Matt Sogard, who they picked in the second round 2019. And they have – if I'm saying this wrong um, – Levy Marilainen. Is that how you say his name? Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but that was wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> from, from the third round to So Pierre Dorian has set up his goaltenders, and if one of them hits – He's kind of diversifying his portfolio. There. He, he drafted a second-round pick, spent a second-round pick in 2019 on a, on a goalie. In 2020, he spent a third-round pick. 2016, he has a second-round pick in Gustafson. So he's he's really trying to find that goalie um, to solidify the back end for the future. Uh, if you go up to the defense, this, this is where it kind of gets a little bit exciting. So one thing for – and I was mentioned earlier on um, the Toronto Maple Leafs for so long. They had that forward core, but yeah. they didn't have the goaltender. They didn't have the destroyed defense, and and it, it it was you know it, it was the biggest uh, problem with them. They didn't have the defense. They couldn't figure it out, and finally, it's kind of working together. If you look at Ottawa's defense, very well set up. Eric Brandstrom, Shabbat, Zub, Willannon, Lassie Thompson, Sanderson, Clevin, John Bernard Docker, and potentially Brant Clark, the first overall pick. Okay, so let's just talk top four because. Some of those prospects might not hit. Yeah, and first overall <laughs> pick because they're not a well constructed roster and they suck. Oh, daddy. Well constructed roster could also mean set up for the future. For the future. Right? Yeah. Like, I, I genuinely believe that <clears throat> I, I've never seen a team be constructed in the way they are. Like, okay, when was the last time in sports when a team had two top five picks? Miami and, Dolphins? And and two, two top five. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. And, and the previous year they had fourth overall. When was the last time? It's it like so probably Vancouver a long time ago. Yeah, when they got the Sedines. Because they had two with the Sedines, and I don't know what they would have had the year before that, but their general manager was Burke, so they must have been bad. <laughs> <laughs> so so if, if you go to their top four, um, you have Shabbat, Sanderson, Branstrom, and Zub. Now that's if none of their main prospects hit, except for Sanderson, who was drafted fifth overall. So, them is going to be the best defensive core in the NHL in three years' time. No, uh, I. It's hard to say because when Colorado's, I think it's between them and Colorado because you already have McCar like McCar, Byram, Gerard, Barron. Like I think it'd be close. I think they're really set up for the future, but I think it's that conversation with them or Colorado for the best setup in the future, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't think you can say. Yeah, because like, no one not about other, Ottawa yet, because they don't have guys like that are actually in the league yet. Like you know, like Sanderson is obviously the low. only person in that lineup who's not in the league yet is Sanderson, who's drafted fifth overall. You're right. You're right. You're right. 
Well, okay. Also, yeah, because we, we like at this point in the I'm sense we don't we don't need like guys like Lassie Thompson or even like Bernard Docker to hit, who are looking pretty solid still. So I don't know. I'm I'm too biased here. I'm I'm a sense fan, you know. I gotta hand it over to Vmac. He, he's itching in the corner. They're all fucking prospects. Like, like they're all. We're acting like they're all get. They're gonna be like right with Colorado. Like we're acting like they're all gonna hit. Colorado has six like, but top four defensemen right now, and they have what? Who's the kid's name? Powers or whatever coming. I'll disagree. Powers. I I I disagree because like, okay, it's it's like it's like you're you're picking stocks, right? So right now you have Shabbat who like. Wait. What if we're picking, sorry, before you, before you go on, if we're picking stock, is like the Ottawa Senators like GameStop stock is like that. <laughs> Ottawa Senators is Tesla. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, don't worry. <laughs> the few, hey, fuck you. <laughs> um, like, like. So okay, we got the defensive core. We've established this. If you look at their offense, Stusla, Norris, Batherson, Pinto, Riley, Ridley, Greg, Kachuk, White, Paul. And again, potential first overall pick. So we don't know where we're going to go there. Bernier's. Now, in the upcoming draft, they have a they have a first round pick, two seconds. In 2022, they have a first, two seconds, and two thirds. So th- they can have a little bit of capital to acquire whatever talent they, they need in 2022. Now, I, I understand that currently they're the laughing stock in the NHL, but... I like on an actual standpoint, on an actual standpoint, like when, when we're talking sports, right? Cause we can talk baseball, we can talk basketball, we can talk hockey, we can talk football. I haven't seen a team set up for success. Like I've seen the auto senators. Like I, I genuinely haven't. And I'm not saying as a biased fan, I'm saying as a genuine fan. Um, yeah, but there's one thing they're missing. It's called center depth. They have no centers in their system that can be, they don't have a proven center and they don't have big center prospects. Like Stutzel's a stud, but when you look at their center depth, Centers are so important in the NHL. I just don't see that they have that depth. They have the defense. They have warriors. I just don't see that center depth in their system. Boys, I think you're 100% right, man. And one thing that uh, Willie and I have talked about in the past is, like, the need for good management when you're trying to build, like, a, a winning team, like a championship team and a dynasty. And Pierre Dorian has done a great job. You know, like, he's accumulated a crazy good prospect pool. He's made some yeah. really good deals. Like, that Carlson deal was a fleece. Um, yeah. He like he's made some other like really good like like some pretty good like sneaky deals. Um, but at the end of the day, I think he's a builder, and he built he built this team from the ground up. He tore it yep. down, built it back up. But I don't know if he has what it takes to take them to the next level because once you get like, and I'm not knocking on Toronto. Maybe I am a little pissed off because uh, Bmax been ripping on Ottawa, so I'm just going to take a shot here. <laughs> um, you know, I think that you don't want to get into a situation where you got all these young studs coming up, but then you don't actively make your team better. And then as a result, like you kind of become stagnant. And I'm not saying Toronto's stagnant, but they, they lost to Boston three years in a row in the playoffs. And like yeah. you got at some point and you had, they had the same core at some point you got to like, you got to change things up. And one thing Ottawa is going to be looking at is getting better up front. Cause like we've said, they're, they're stacked on D, but they're going to need to put the puck in the back. Of the I think that that's a big thing is, they have they have talent. I think Ottawa's a very, very talented roster, but that's hoping that's praying that they hit. They don't have all these prospect pools, you're praying that they all turn out. And when you look at the lease, for example, the as much as suits look good, the Sens don't have a player like Austin Matthews on their in their system. Austin Matthews is a game changer. I think such to be a stud. I think that's the difference is 
Stutzel's going to be very talented, but they don't have a player like Austin Matthews that can take over a game and completely change the outcome of a game. But, okay, but, but do you need that when you have arguably the top three, like, again, it's future, but arguably the top three defensive core in the NHL? Like, I, I don't know. Like I, like I said, I think it's easy to find, like, scores. I, I, I don't think it's that difficult, man. We um, think all, you know, like, like as long as you, you sign for agents correctly, and I, I agree, man, like, sorry, going on back to Connor's point, we talked about Joe Sakic earlier. Like, you need a fucking savage. You need a savage in the GM room. I don't th- personally. I don't think Dubas is a savage. I, I, I think uh, General Manager Tampa Bay Lightning. I don't know his name right now. I'm. I'll tell my. He's a fucking savage. He's but sucks, he's also he's wanted to sign Matt Martin and all those guys and fucking Ottawa Senator right now, uh, Zaitsev. Like. Yeah, he signed Zeiss to a eight-year deal or whatever it was. But he's not the best general manager. I mean, I think when you're looking at Dubis, I think he's – I don't know if he's a savage, but when he – when that Nylander contract situation came up, everyone chirped him and chirped him for signing for that deal. But when you look at it, Nylander's contract right now at $6.5 is a very, very good contract. And he got chirped. He got ridiculed for making that signing. But when you're getting Nylander who's producing at this pace, someone at $6.5 is a good good signing in my opinion. So – I mean, he's not going to be ruthless, like firing back right at the get-go, but I think he's done still a very, very good job in keeping his core together and staying true. And Dubas thinks this core can win when you have Nylander, when you have Martin, when you have Tavares, when you have Matthews. So I think he's, it's not that he's not trying to make movies, try to make moves to improve the back end. He went out and got Barry. He went out and got Muzzin. He went out and got Brody. And I don't think that that's been their issue is the defensive core. So he's tried to make upgrades that just haven't worked. Um. Uh, I'm good to move on to our, our, our draft coverage. Um, what, one thing I said. Well, well, let's let's quickly mention that clearly the Tampa Bay Lightning oh, are the best oh, yeah. constructed roster in the NHL. But uh, as a group, we kind of felt that that was a little too easy little to pick, too, that we yeah. would uh, pick our own teams. I'd also like to shout out the Philadelphia Flyers. They were definitely yeah. one of my teams up there. Uh, they're set up for the future. They, they have a mix of veterans in Giroux, Voracek, Couturier's uh, getting to be a veteran now, but they got young kids coming in, Morgan Frost. Yeah. Uh, big Morgan. I think Morgan Frost is like potential to be top 15 centers in the NHL. I, I, yeah, he's very good. I, I got some stories about Morgan, Morgan Frost, Frost, but we'll, we'll talk about that another day. <laughs> Before we uh, move into the draft talk, I wanted to leave one thing with this NHL talk. So there's been flip-flopping for me, at least the best players in the league. So before we, we transition to the draft bar, what do you guys think are the top three players in the league today? McDavid, Matthews, immediately to mind. Um, yeah. Ma- McDavid, Matthews, McKinnon. Uh, not in that order. Yeah. Mc- yeah. McDavid, McKinnon, Matthews. Arguably, if I was to start a franchise, I would rather have McCarr than Matthews. That's just me personally. No. That's just whoa, Carr is going to be the best, def- one of the best defensemen. Uh, in the- I Matt- think is. Matthews, did you see ten his years? Did you see his Matthews- yesterday? <laughs> it was ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. He's yeah. he's going to change how offenses construct or how how teams construct their rosters in terms of play, in terms of style. He's that good. He's yeah, but when you're, I mean, he is very very talented, but that is a very opinion to be wary of because how in influential Matthews is on the ice this guy has 18 goals in 18 games this year he's 23 years old and he's scoring at a rate that is one of the best of all 
best of all time at the start of his career. I think Matthews and McDavid will go down as this like the Crosby and Ovechkin of their generation. The fact that he's 23 is pretty, pretty insane. Like I yeah. actually did not realize because you, you feel like he's been around for so long. Like yeah. he's gonna, he stepped into, he, the, in, into the lease right away, right? Yeah. After he got picked first overall. Yeah, 19 years old and for Man. 18 he played as the yeah, I, I, I'm kind of going with the general consensus here. Like, I, I think it's it's McDavid, McKinnon, Matthews. Yeah. Honorable mention to Dreisaitl. That guy's fucking sick. Um, yeah. I, I, what, he, Dreisaitl, I love Dreisaitl because he does so many, like, he does so many things well, like, that go unnoticed. Like, just, like, like for example, like, if he's on, like, a three-on-two, he'll just absolutely like, drive the middle, tie up the guy. This guy's, like, six foot, six foot four. Like, it, he's such a physical beast and... Like he's also so skilled, so I think he's my number four player for sure. But yeah, that, yeah. that's the top three. I agree. Yeah, Cooch I agree. is up there too. Yeah, Cooch. Jeez. Yeah, he's I just disgusting. Yeah, my main thing with Cooch is that he does play on the Lightning, and like you know, so like in a way, he's kind of not shielded, but man, they're just they're absolutely they're absolutely stacked. Whereas in Edmonton, oh. we we've already discussed Edmonton's lack of lack depth, of so forward depth. It's yeah. even <laughs> more impressive what uh, Drysaitel and, and McDavid are able to do. Oh, exactly. So I think that is all the time we have for our hockey segment. Uh, we're going to transition to our NFL draft talk today. So today's prospect group group is going to be on linebackers. It's one of my favorite cores, to be honest. There is probably a consensus number one linebacker, but then from there, it's every man for himself. There's so many linebackers can challenge that number two spot. So I'm looking forward to getting this conversation. I know, Willie, this is one of your favorite prospect groups. So why don't you take it away? Yeah, this, this is hands down my, my favorite prospect group. Uh, I, 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 I absolutely like, I, I love these linebackers. Um, I, I think there's a couple of, I think there's three difference makers right off the top. So my, um, top five goes like this Parsons. We're going to call him J O K. I can't say his name. Jeremiah Ousa Karamoa. I learned it yeah, for the yeah, show. J O K. Jay's okay. Um, Zayvon Collins and my fifth guy is Sharice Sh- Sh- uh, Surratt. Um, Shiraz, I think he's brother of Sage. Brother of Sage Surratt. Uh, Chaz Surratt, my yeah. wide receiver guy yesterday. Oh, fun, yeah. Fun, fun fact. And fun he fact. Also came as a QB. QB, yeah. There's, there's my fun fact. About to say there. <laughs> yeah, you got it for me. Where did you have? Did you have Nick Bolton in there, Willie? My apologies, Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton, number four. Guy. Yeah, number four. Sorry I think you actually might have the exact same list as me somehow. Yeah, mine's a mine's a bit different, but it's pretty similar. I the only difference I have is Xavier Collins is my number two linebacker in the class, and I wouldn't be, in my opinion, I wouldn't be shocked if he's a number one linebacker taken off the board just because of Parsons' off field issues. Parsons being the suspect of kind of race, like not racism, but discrepancies in the Penn state locker room. He's being accused of like bullying people and like tormenting people. So I think if that gets out, that could affect his draft stock, nothing to get his prospect, but that's the reason I think saving Collins could be the first prospect off the board for a linebacker, just because of the Parsons off field issues. Fair. Fair. I mean, uh, absolutely. No, like it, it's, it's definitely an interesting year because they can't really talk to the prospects, right? Like, yeah. You can't have, you're going to have to go off rumors and you, you know, you, you can't get on the field with the guys. So, um, we can start off Parsons and the first Insane. thing I, I kind of wanted to say about Parsons is game changer. Okay. So Con, we're sitting on the couch earlier today and Con's doing a little bit of research on him. We're watching some film and he goes, ah, 
man, Parsons sucks this Ohio State game. And I'm like, you know what? Like, on the film, some games, this guy's a baller. Some games, this guy will take over an entire game and, and make good luck to the opposition. And some games, you can't see him on the field. Oh, and no. Look, where, 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 where's Micah Parsons? So, if I'm a general manager and, and, I, and I'm in the war room and I'm like, okay, so he has a little bit of issues, uh, person, um, um, personality issues. Um, in the locker room, whatever. Some games he turns it on, some games he doesn't. Do I want that? Do I want to spend my top 10 pick on that guy? Personally, I, I can't. I can't do yeah, it. Yeah, I'd falls. rather I'd rather Collins, honestly. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's close, but I think the reason Parsons is my number one is just because his production level in one year at Penn State as a redshirt sophomore, it is not easy uh, as a redshirt uh, freshman, actually. is his only second year in the league. But it's not easy for a linebacker at 19 years old to dominate the line of scrimmage and dominate in a run game like Micah Parsons did at that age, playing against like 23-year-old seniors in the offense line. The thing that stands out me as Parsons is he's a do-it-all linebacker. This man's 6'4", 250, and runs a 4-4. I mean, that's unheard of to have someone at that size to run 4-4. He's like a sideline-to-sideline linebacker that can cover. That can, He's also a very successful blitzer he can play an outside linebacker position he can play the mic linebacker so i think the versatility it's something like Zavin collins has the same versatility it's just his production level for me is why he's still my number one but i like how you're saying i don't think he's gonna be in the top 10 i think just the run of quarterbacks for one of our receivers and the run of offensive tackles is going to push him out of that top 10 micah parsons could be the best edge rusher in the class though also yeah. I'm not going to say he's he's number one, but like he's one of the best. If he was just a pure edge rusher, not even all the other traits he has, he's one of the best edge rushers in this class. And that is something that will be huge on third downs. I have a question. Yeah. Isaiah Simmons or Micah Parsons? I take Micah Parsons all day. I think yeah. as, a, as a prospect, now some of the personality things maybe would push him back. But as a prospect, it's it's not close for me. Mine is really close, but just because Isaiah Simmons has that versatility to play strong safety, has that versatility to play linebacker, and is also a successful blitzer. But I think just Micah Parsons and tangibles and the fact that his size and his speed and his ability to impact the game, I think he's just more of a game changer than Isaiah Simmons just because of his ability to do so much on the, the football field. Yeah, Uh Listen, boys, I'm not quite as up to date on the college football scene as, as you, but I did. I checked it. I checked out these guys and uh, I, I want to show a little bit of love to this JOK because yeah, this guy hits like an absolute animal. Like oh, he's he awesome. launches his entire body and just he takes no prisoners out there. <laughs> I, I, I love the look. Yeah, he's only like six one, right? Like he, yeah. he's by far smaller than he's awesome. Uh, like Zaven and Micah. Um, I think, yeah. No, go ahead, boys. This linebacker core is probably one of the best I've ever, ever seen. It's so versatile. There's so many different types of linebackers. So when I'm thinking of types of linebackers, when I went through my list, I have Micah Parsons, who's kind of that edge set that can do everything. Zavin Collins is honestly one of my favorite prospects in the draft because he's similar to Micah Parsons, but he hits so hard and he's so versatile. But when you're looking at JOK, I'm not going to pronounce his name because I don't want to get it wrong. He is a buckus winner. He's a side to side linebacker and he's probably the best coverage linebacker in the draft. But yeah, it's so versatile. It's one of my favorite prospect groups. And I can honestly see for these, maybe probably four going in the first round. 
he, he's one of my favorite prospects in the entire draft. Like this guy's a JOK or who who are you referring to, Willie? I'm just uh JOK. Like th- he's so twitchy. Yeah. He's so twitchy. Like side to side, absolute beast. He can play in coverage. He can, he can go to the quarterback. Like I think him in, in the Oakland Raiders system, they would love him. Yeah. Like, they need they need help. Whoever gets him is going to be a lucky team and I can see him being a pro bowler. I, I really can. Like I can see him being a complete change game changer. I can't say enough good things about him. And and JOK, he plays that position in college that doesn't even really exist in the NFL because the hashes are so wide in the college game. Uh, he plays the same position. You saw what's uh, Fred Warner in San Francisco. How's he turned out? He's the best coverage linebacker in the game. Uh, Jeremy Chin on uh the Panthers, the Panthers. Yes. The Panthers. Uh, he played that position. Now he transitioned to safety. Uh, same with Jabril peppers. He transitioned to safety. So these are the kind of what you would think of as the smaller linebackers or bigger safeties. It kind of depends uh, on how they're going to make that transition into the NHL and, uh, or NFL. NFL sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when the edibles kick in. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, he's, from all the experts is going to be a linebacker and he's immediately going to be one of the better coverage linebackers in the league. Oh yeah. Like JOK is so versatile, but the one I also want to put on a spotlight is Nick Bolton. The reason I say this, I think NFL GMs and owners are going to fall in love with Nick Bolton because of his leadership skills. Nick Bolton is a huge run stuffer. He's going to be, he hits hard. Like this guy would like could kill me if I if I was carrying the ball as a running back I would die like I would have to, I, I wouldn't be alive that's how hard he hits but he's a guy that's going to be a middle linebacker for 10 to 15 years is probably gonna be a captain on not day one but in his second year he'll be a captain of a defense he controls that like the Missouri defense was his he controlled that defense he called everything and what I've like heard in research his coaches they said it's he's their favorite player they've ever coached because of his leadership abilities yeah no, I like another another player. I can't say enough good things about Nick Bolden. Put on his film, like the play will be like twenty yards away from the guy. He'll be sprinting towards the ball. It's like, bro, you don't need to run towards the ball. Like he 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 he's he's a he's a leader. He's a beast. Oh but yeah. I, I unless you guys have something to say, one guy I thought you were about to put the spotlight on, and it's someone that um Boya has kind of approached me about a month ago. I didn't know too much about him, but Zayvon Collins, he, he shot me yeah. back, so, you know, do a little bit of research on this guy. And when I put on the film, I was so impressed. Like, yeah, I, I can see this guy and I know it's completely outlandish to say, but honestly, I can see this guy being a hall of famer one day. Like <laughs> just, I think he has the qualities to be like that guy for a long time. Um, he gives it his best every single down. He, he, he's a good run stuffer. He, he can play uh, coverage. I, he's, like, he's a do-it-all linebacker. He does everything. When I was doing one of my mock drafts, uh, I'm a big Dolphins fan, but he's one of my number one targets for this draft. He's someone I would be so happy taking at 18. I wouldn't hesitate to trade back because I want someone like that. He immediately transformed your defense. You put him into a Brian Flores defense, which needs a player like this. He will put up Pro Bowl and all pro numbers, I wouldn't be shocked if he's in that Brian Flores Miami Dolphins defense. Yeah, I'm not I'm not quite as high as on him as uh you guys are, but I will admit he has some of the best potential to be 
a Hall of Famer in this class at linebacker. He is he makes splash plays all over the field, uh, and you can see his potential every Saturday when you watch him on tape. Yeah, like he's a, he's a very talented. I think the only concern is he didn't play great competition. He's at Tulsa, he's in that A10 conference, so I think that's the that's the only knock. But there's not that's nothing against him because his skills and his tape shows how dominant he was in that conference and i don't even know that might even help them because it made him show out how dominant he was playing in a bit of a weaker conference uh, another guy my fifth guy is shaw surat surat yeah I, I put his tape on and um i like i put on dylan moses's tape i wasn't impressed with dylan moses um at all like i i thought he watches the ball a lot like sure he's got a you know he was supposed to go top 10 at some point this is this, this yeah year, right um, yeah i wasn't impressed i put on shiraz surat and you know he's a baller. Um, you know he 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 hustles to the ball. He he's he's a he was a QB. So we're, I'm excited to see his progression. Um, I have nothing but good things to say about him. I also think he I would draft him in the second round personally. Yeah, this is another guy like he's he's new to the position, so he's another guy like Zayvon Collins, where the ceiling is the roof. Uh, we don't really know what he's gonna be at this position yet. He's got that quarterback knowledge though which kind of Helps. intrigues me a little bit where he can maybe read that quarterback's eyes and with his experience know where he's going to throw it maybe he'll be maybe that'll help him a lot in zone coverage hopefully it does i am really high on this guy though yeah i think the thing you kind of knocked it right out of the park is he's so new to the position and he showed up in a strong ACC offensive conference. Like th those are very good offense. You have Trevor Lawrence, that conference, you have that Miami offense that was really good this year. And he put up good tape and good numbers. And I think he's could be someone that could be one of the better linebackers in the class because the ceiling, another guy I had, which is kind of tied with him is Brandon Browning. Who's out of Ohio state. This guy's a very, very talented linebacker. He can play in a three, four outside linebacker. He can play as a Mike. He's someone that dominated the senior bowl this year and put up very, very good numbers in a strong big 10 conference. One thing um, I was kind of looking at, I was a little bit curious of previous linebackers um, who are not highly touted prospects. Cause when I think of a, the linebacker group is you have to think of someone who's instinctually very good, um, yeah. has very good, is very good physically. And normally, if you have both those traits, you're going to be a highly touted prospect. So I, I went back throughout the years um, and I looked at starters who were not highly touted prospects. When I say highly touted prospects, I mean in the first or second round. Um, and I only found a couple names, which is, which is really interesting to me. So um, in 2019, I found Greenlaw, Dre Greenlaw, who's currently on the San Francisco 49ers. He's yep. a beast, one of my favorite players in the NFL. Um, 2018, you found, I found Darius Leonard, Fred Warner. Both, oh. I love Fred Warner. Both man. all pro linebackers. Yeah. In 2017, I found Alex Alex Alonzo. In 2016, I found Blake yeah. Martinez. But that's okay. it. Yeah, that, that's it. If if you look at linebackers, you don't found too many. You don't find depth. It's not like wide receiver. It's like oh yeah, by the way, DK Mac or like I don't know, like. He was a highly touted yeah, prospect. Yeah, he was a first. Yeah, that's not a good. He example. was almost like like people thought he might go in the first round. He didn't. He went in the mid late second round, but uh, late second. Wait, did Six. he go in the third round? Second. No, he went sixtieth. I think the last pick was. I think he said sixty-eight. But I I didn't find too much depth at the wide at the linebacker court. Do yeah. you think like that's a thing, or do you think that's just like it is what it is? Like, what are your, what's your opinion on that? I mean, it's a tough way to say it, but 
I mean, this is just to show it, like probably probably a thing. I think the thing about linebackers, there's not when you have a Mike linebacker, middle linebacker, usually only one plays on an offense. So if your team's looking at a Mike linebacker, there's limited people to pick from. When you're looking at a position like wide receiver, there's three to four people that start a game from those teams. So as a team that's looking for a Mike linebacker, an outside linebacker, there's only those specific positions they can play. For example, when you look at the offense line, you can play left or right guard, tackles can transition the guard. So I think that linebacker thing is there's limited prospects just because of the positions they play and how they're going to fit a, a system in a, a defense. Yeah, so I think kind of the reason why a, a lot of people have been talking about the linebacker position being devalued a little bit in today's NFL is you look at teams like, Adam, your team yesterday, the, the Los Angeles Rams, they had a great defense, maybe the best defense in the NFL last year. Yeah. But they did not have a good linebacker core. Very true. There's there's a lot of teams that have been able to succeed on defense with mediocre linebackers. Like there's, there's not much to say about them. But then again, I, I did not expect Willie to come up with that stat saying not many have been taken outside the first two rounds. So that's that really intrigues me, and I'll have to look more into that. So how how do you like how would you hide a poor linebacker core? Like, is it edge rushing? Is it your second like the, it's just, the other I level? Think, like I think it's just disguising coverages and putting people like what the Dolphins do is they put a lot of a lot of times they're is they put eight people at the line of scrimmage. So you can hide poor linebacker core by disguising coverages and just confusing QBs by blitzing a lot or putting eight on the line of scrimmage and dropping like eight people in the coverage. So I think you can hide a poor linebacker by just having a good scheme. But the other fact, if you rely on linebackers that covers tight ends, like if you're relying on a middle or outside linebacker to cover Travis Kelsey, you can't hide them. You can't hide them in a defense. Right. So I think offensive coordinators can attack poor linebackers, but defensive coordinators can hide them as well. Yeah, definitely. I think I, I'm, I'm a Steelers fan. Uh, I can say we cannot hide a poor linebacker. <laughs> we, we need the linebackers right now. That's, that's our DNA. But I, I think I, I see it. Like, I, I definitely uh, think there's some serious merit to the point that, like, the linebacker position, uh, like, is being devalued. And, yeah, like, because, like, if you look at other position groups, they're just more important, I think, in the NFL. Yeah. But to kind of sum up, because we're kind of reaching our time here, is this linebacker core is very diverse. There's a lot of different linebackers. And from my personal opinion, I see four of them going the first round. I don't think so. I don't know, man. I, I honestly think our team could fall in love with Nick Bolton. I, I agree. I like, see I see someone like the Bills taking Nick Bolton at 28 or 29. Man, imagine Nick Bolton on the Rams. That'd be nice. Yeah. I just see there's so many linebacker needs teams. Someone like the like look at that. The Steelers need a linebacker, the Dolphins need a linebacker. Uh the Bills could use one. The because they're gonna lose Matt Milano for agency. So I think there's these are all for me their first round grades. I think it just depends who's gonna take one. You know, okay, I, I know we gotta go, but so your whatever team, I don't care what team you are, would you rather um I forget his first name, but Tony, the wide receiver out of Florida? Darius Tony. Zaven Collins slash Nick Bolton. Well, it, it's so dependent. It's on all dependent on your no, need. No, 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 no needs. Oh, you, you're a general manager starting a, a roster right now. Who are you picking? It's a tough. I'm question. picking. I'm picking Tony. Wow. And it, and it's is... honestly not close for me. I'm sorry. Oh, is... you're. Those are two of my favorite targets at 18 for the Dolphins of the past. So that's you're putting me in a tough right now. But I'm probably gonna take. 
Zavin Collins just because he's a game changer. Oh, like, it's a, it's very tough for me. I think it's, I think those are both. I think I can see them both go in the first round for sure. I just picked Saving Collins because I think he's a game changer, can transform that defense. I just don't think Kadarius Tony can transform an offense. I don't even think did any of us have him in our top five yesterday. We didn't talk about him yesterday. I noticed. No, we did. We, did, we, we missed he's him. He's my number six. But, yeah, but yeah, uh, we, we did miss him. Good wide receiver class. We have Zayvon Collins. I think most of us have him at three, and him at six at wide receiver that speaks to again you have to put three wide receivers on the field so of course there's going to be more that you need but uh yeah i think uh Kadarius tony is definitely my pick there also because i'm kind of with the crowd that's starting to devalue the linebacker position yeah so that kind of sums up our draft talk so we went over the qbs receivers and linebackers and i can't wait to get into our next conversation next week but we have reached our two-minute warning i think willie's gonna take over for us there Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So two minute warning. Here we go. Sidney Crosley played his 1,000th game yesterday. Through through 1,000 games, which player had the most points in NHL history? Oh, that's a tough one. Through 1,000 games? It's Wayne Gretzky. It's got to be Gretzky, no? Like I feel like he said he's going to stump us. So it's got to be. Did, did Lemieux play like 1,000 games? I don't think he got. There's no chance Lemieux got to a thousand games. I don't think. Did he? You got to think it's Gretzky, right? But I feel like if he's trying to stump us, yeah, I'm just gonna go Gretzky. Yeah, fuck you, fuck all of you guys. It's, yeah, it's, well, it's Wayne Gretzky. Two thousand. Check, check it out though. Two thousand two hundred and sixty-five points in a thousand games. Lemieux was second, but he only played nine hundred and fifteen games. He had seventeen thousand and twenty-three points. You you thought that was gonna stump? You thought that was gonna stump us, Willie? Next week. BMAC, you're dead meek. I'm fucking stomping you. Uh, no question. I'm stomping <laughs> no, you. No, no, no. I, I gotta. I'm. I'm getting this every week, so I. I gotta come up with my own and and let you guys at least have a competition because I. I don't. I don't think it's that close here. It's good. It's good. So I think that is all the time we have today. I want to thank Connor for joining us on our last edition. I'll give it to him to say goodbye to you folks. Yeah. Thanks, boys. Uh, thanks again to all the listeners. I uh, hope everyone enjoyed the pod today. Uh. You know, boys, I'd love to come on again. If you guys are ever discussing hockey again, maybe later on in the season, maybe a little playoff preview or something. Uh, just putting out the feeling. Maybe now. we'll bring you on in 20 years and the Sens make the playoffs again. <laughs> <laughs> or in four and win the cup. <laughs> <laughs> All right, again, guys. This has been yeah, awesome. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Image.